Spark Studio presents People, People, People podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to episode four. I got to sit down with Jay. I think we might just be soul sisters. I met her a week prior at a sustainability event uh, in Venice and right off the bat, I was like, oh, this girl is fantastic. And I asked her to come over and sit on my yellow couch and tell me a little bit more about her. So you're definitely in for a treat. Here is episode four. Okay, Jay, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sitting on my yellow couch with me. (laughs) Um, We just met a week ago, actually at a sustainability event. Um, And it was so cool because you were the moderator for this panel discussion. And I just kept on thinking when I was sitting in the audience, like, this girl's really awesome. Oh, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) So I'm really excited to have you here and just hear more about you and what you're doing. So we'll jump on in. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Totally. So who are you? So my name is Jay Driggs Buckbinder. Driggs is my middle name. And um, I'm born and raised in Long Beach here, like two miles away from here, which is so great. and I work for as of a few weeks ago, I work in business development at Emico, but mm-hmm. my background's all sustainable engineering. Love it. And I would say I'm a environmental enthusiast in all senses. You know, like I'm yeah. definitely someone who uses the environment and someone who loves and tries to protect the environment. And uh, yeah, I'd say that's the start of who I am. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Tell me a little bit more about what Emico is. Yeah. So Emico is a almost 80-year-old uh, chair company, mm-hmm. furniture company now. We do tables. Yeah. But um, we started in the 1940s making recycled aluminum chairs for Navy ships. So they had to go on submarines, be super strong, non-corrosive. The sailors Wild. would toss them around. Yeah. Crazy, <laughs> crazy constraints on these. Yes. Had to be made out of recycled aluminum because there was no virgin aluminum because it all went to war effort. Wow. So had to figure that out. And I guess what had happened, and if you have a fact check, this would be a good part to use it on, <laughs> is that they— sent out this contract and said, we're making really strong chairs. And this guy, Wilton Dinges, came back mm-hmm. with this design of the Navy chair, which is still a Navy chair. And it, so it's designed, nothing with it has to do aesthetics. It was mm-hmm. all designed based on these constraints, which is really cool when you think about, you know, the form versus function. Yes. We make it, to this day, we make the 1006 chair in the same way we've always made it. So 77 steps in the factory in Hanover, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. The difference is, these trains used to come up on train tracks and we would fill the container with Navy ship or with Navy chairs and then ship them to the port in Baltimore. That doesn't happen anymore, but the train tracks are still there. (laughs) The factory is still there. The machinery, some of the machinery is still the same machinery, Mm. which is crazy. And then fast forward to the 80s, 90s, um, the company was bankrupt. It had no more contracts with the Navy or minimal. I mean, 
for better or worse, the chairs were lasting so long they didn't have to buy any. It was like yeah. a five gum commercial. Too, too sustainable. Yeah, they last too long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, my grandpa bought the company and when my dad took it over, he kind of saw this uh, potential for it to become a design icon. Yeah. And it already really was. Mm-hmm. You know, like not to discredit my dad, but he kind of, you know, architects and designers were using it in high-end applications already. Yeah. And... Um, our good friend Brian Murphy had used it in this beautiful interior, and it was on the cover of Interior Architect magazine. So and rad. It was so cool. We still surf with him every week, and oh. he, he talks about going to the port and buying navy chairs and stripping the paint off the side. I was literally just looking at a project that um, Clive Wilkinson Architects, who I work for, did back in the early 2000s, and there was a navy stool in it. And oh, I was sweet. like... Oh, it's still so timeless. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. It's so cool. I mean, that's my favorite part about Emiko is friends sending me photos of chairs that they see. <laughs> it's really cool. Well, it was funny because I think when we were talking uh, the other day at the event, um, we were talking about how you'll see them in like movies or uh, TV shows yeah. or like CSI. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it's like amazing just to and, you know, for the listeners out there, uh, these chairs are everywhere, like yeah. True Foods and yeah. all of those places. And I remember uh, a couple months ago, I went to lunch with my uh, mom and cousin and I was like these are Emico chairs I was like this is the navy chair I like <laughs> turned it over I was like and it has a stamp so yes. this means it's authentic <laughs> oh that's so good <laughs> so it's like cool to kind of see like how yeah just like what you guys are doing and how you are being incredibly like sustainable I was telling my friends the other day like you're gonna have to buy a chair like no one's getting away from buying a chair, but like, yeah. what chair do you buy? Yeah. Um, and not only is it, you know, the materials that you use, but also like the longevity. Yeah. Um, because if a chair can last for 150 years, it's just going to be better for the environment. Yeah. Yeah. So. And it's interesting because we did this class with... Um, MIT last spring that was called the the next 150-year chair. Yes. The idea was the students are supposed to kind of envision what they see the future of furniture. And all of them kind of went away from, from the chairs that actually last 150 years because they're thinking, you know, this isn't how we live. We live transient lives. We're mm-hmm. moving around. Half of them are international. Yeah. And so you realize, you know, I'm such a terrible salesperson. I'm just, <laughs> no, <it's all laughs> but good. like, there's so many ways to skin that environmental yes. cat. And in our 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 perspective is kind of yeah, make a chair that lasts 150 years that someone's going to want for 150 years and love, take care of for that long, and it will be really important. Totally, I think that's really beautiful. It was cool to hear that story from your dad. Uh, at that event the other night of the chairs in New York City. Can you tell that again? Because that was fantastic. And cool because they're the same chairs we have. Yeah. So um, Philippe Stark designed the Hudson Hotel in New York and for the Hudson Hotel designed a thousand of the original Hudson chairs, Mm -hmm. which he then polished and 
as a tangent story, <laughs> but my favorite story is they didn't know how to polish the chairs. Oh. So they went down the street to the Harley-Davidson factory. I absolutely love yeah, this. And got the guys to po- polish it and actually poached some of them. Yeah. So they had a thousand chairs in the Hudson Hotel. We went when we were little and went and looked at the chairs. I think he made us go to every floor and look at the chairs. Like, it was <laughs> insane. And now I think that, I guess the Hudson Hotel is renovating or mm-hmm. closing and they're selling all the chairs and they're they're selling for more than the original value of the chairs. It's crazy. Really cool. And I also just love, I, I guess I'm just a freak about furniture and obviously interior design, but I love that you guys manufacture everything in Pennsylvania, like in Amish country. Yeah. And then Harley Davidson is your yeah, like neighbor. neighbor. It's yeah. like, this is the weirdest juxtaposition in the world. It turns out there's just some crazy stuff going on in Pennsylvania. <laughs> We're like next to Utz potato chips. So in the summer when the like factory doors are open, it just the whole thing smells like potato chips. Snyder's from Hanover right there. Known for pretzels. Yeah, pretty good. Harley's right there. And then we got the Amish guys. Oh yeah. my gosh. So you're just like making furniture and snacking. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The time. Chips and chairs. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Um. So yeah, the next question is, uh, what do you believe in? Mm. I've been thinking about this one a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I had, I think I had a few answers. One was like the power of dogs. <laughs> I was just <laughs> looking at my I dog. I love that so much. <laughs> but that's not the direction I want to go. But I was, I was like, wow, dogs are just incredible. Mm-hmm. I do think, um, I really believe that people want to do something um want want to be better and mm-hmm. want to electively choose something that's better for the environment agreed um i think you know we're given so many other constraints like i know i have made wrong choices when the environmental option has been twice the cost mm-hmm. you know but i never feel i never feel good about those choices and mm-hmm. i think Every person who's a consumer, whether they care about design or not, yep. want to make the right choices. And I really believe, like, talking to people about the recycling system, I don't think U.S. recycling doesn't work because the system doesn't work. I think people want to be more educated, but it's really hard to figure out how. People yeah. want to recycle well, but it's hard to figure out how. The barrier to entry is quite high. Yeah. And understanding it. Yes. I mean, I have a... a background in sustainable engineering and daily I don't know how to recycle something. Mm, yep. So I think you know I think people can get really down on climate change and say we're polluting the world, we're doing this, we're doing this. True. You yeah. know, we are our trajectory is where our status isn't good. Mm-hmm. But I think the more I talk to people and of course I know I'm in an isolated bubble. Mm-hmm. I think the more hopeful I feel because Everyone wants to do better and everyone wants to be able to make more of a choice. I would I would totally agree with you. And I I was actually just at asking our um mutual friend this, Chris, um, after the event that we went to. And I really sincerely said, like, I would love to sit down with you and Jay or whoever it is from Emico to better understand like what are the things as a designer that I can do that are simple things as I'm planning a space or designing Mm. a space that lend itself to being more sustainable because typically in the design industry it's just a constant sprint like 
yeah. you're like in freaking Indiana Jones and the boulder is coming after you and yeah. you're just like trying yeah. not to be crushed. Yeah. Um. And so I think it's hard when you're in a rush to put something together, you don't make the best decisions. Completely. Um. So to be able to have like tools or resources to say, hey, when I'm selecting this furniture or this paint or whatever it is, like, what are the sustainable impacts that I'm having? Yeah. Um, because I think, like you said, it being sustainable can feel very overwhelming. Yeah, completely. And so, uh, yeah, it's like for me, it's like being more educated about like simple things that I can do, not only within design, but just in my everyday life yeah. of um, to treat the earth in a better way. Yeah, completely. Mm-hmm. And where would you normally go? Like Google? Yeah, I mean... That's a good question. I think now what's interesting with the world and especially in design is everyone has like a green, quote unquote, green story. And now it's really sifting through like yeah. what's actually sustainable and what's just uh, what's a front. Yeah. I was completely shocked the other day. I was listening to this um, furniture company that is, I will not name it, but is quite large. And they were saying that um, that they were providing a 100% carbon off, offset, mm. which is essentially saying they have no more, car- they're not exuding any more carbon. And it was like, huh, well, that's really interesting. Like, how is that actually happening? Yeah. All through offsets. Yeah, yeah. So, Essentially, what they're doing is they're going around planting a bunch of trees. Yeah. And from my perspective, and I have a very limited perspective on, like, sustainability. Obviously, I'm not the engineer. (laughs) But it's insane to me to think, like, why would you be promoting that you're not, like, exuding any carbon when you actually are exuding a ton of carbon? Yeah. You're just making yourself kind of feel better by planting trees and doing these other things that you're just paying money for. Yeah, completely. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you just handed me a soapbox. <laughs> okay, I go for it. Yeah. Because, like, I think this is really good for me and the everyday person to realize, like, hey, what's actually going on? Yeah, and I think it's it's so tough because I'm not an expert. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know what I know, and I know what I've done research on. I could be proven wrong at any point. Yeah. And I'm, I think the key with the sustainability thing is to say, okay, have an inclination against offsets yeah. to some degree, yeah. but keeping an open mind. You know, yeah. there's people that are doing them right, but— Essentially, what we think is because it's so uh, hard to wade through all the information, mm-hmm. the first thing you have to do is measure where you're at. Yep. Get a good measurement. We're doing carbon footprinting through this calculator with Duconomy, this Swedish brand, mm-hmm. um, on our products. And then saying, okay, what can we drop from this? Yeah. For the most of our products, the highest uh, amount of carbon kilograms of carbon dioxide equivalent, which basically amounts to approximate greenhouse gas, is um, the energy of the factory, which makes sense. We're using recycled material, and it's local. Yep. Checks out. Um, Now we know, okay, that's our target. That's what we're going to try to lower. And I have a hard time when companies go straight to offsets before saying, how do we lower that? Because I think it's a Band-Aid rather than, okay, first— 
first step is let's get this as low as possible. Yeah. Because as manufacturers, we're emitting these greenhouse gases. How do we limit that? Totally. The second thing is, okay, great. You have offsets. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. I think long-term, great if everyone can get to a place where they're quote-unquote carbon neutral and actually can prove that out. Yeah. However, do you have traceability on those offsets? Do you have transparency? Yeah. Is it accountable? Because a lot of the offset companies, you're buying offsets for like, it's like 10 cents per product. You know, you're like, you're paying, yeah. they could be paying $100 a year to plant trees in a place where there might be already trees. They're planting non-native trees. There's no one taking care of them. Yeah. Like, there's just, you really have to make sure those offsets are good before you subscribe to that and yeah. say that you're like, you can wipe your hands of what you've done, you know? Like, is someone actually really planting those trees? Yeah. Is someone planting them? Is someone, yeah. are they the right trees to plant? Yeah. Are they in the right area? Can you trace how much carbon dioxide they're pulling out of the environment? Mm -hmm. And then I think, you know, there's other ways to be more environmental that might be more helpful. You know, like yep. looking at the materials you're using, that's going to be better than planting trees. Yeah, and I I think I or I do have a lot of respect for that approach because you're saying like right here right now what are we doing? Like yeah. it's not this like oh in 2030 we have a sustainability initiative. It's yeah. like no, like you're actively trying to be conscious of how you're impacting the planet and I think for me and everyday people, that speaks a lot more than like, you know, we've all seen the hundred page like sustainability report of like, this is where we hope to be. And it's like, well, are you ever going to actually yeah. get there? Yeah. Yeah. So. I know. I have a hard time with that too. I think more and more companies are doing more of the right thing. Great. I do believe that. I also think more people are talking more about what they're doing. Yeah. So like the, the, it's probably 15% is accurate and helpful still, yes. you know, but that that pool of what people are talking mm -hmm. about it is wider. I do think there's an intent behind it. People recognize that doing the right thing environmentally is good. Yeah. So you can feel good about that. And then it's like, okay, but are you actually, yeah, are you actually yeah. doing it? And I don't know really yeah. all the time. Hard to wade through. Yeah. But I, I kind of coming back full circle, I do completely agree with you that people do want to they want to do the right thing yeah and I think that's really really beautiful and I I think oftentimes especially with social media and how like anything can be broadcasted at this time and moment in the world like we have maybe information fatigue because yeah we know so much more yeah. and so we look at the like wider landscape of like, oh my gosh, the earth is on fire. Um, but I think to zoom back in maybe locally to your neighborhood or to Long Beach or wherever like uh, you might reside, it's like, hey, there's some really rad things going on. Like completely where, you know, people are doing beach cleanups. People are doing yeah. a bunch of things to better um, their community. And I think I don't know. This might be a naive comment, but it's like, hey, let's all just do our part. Yeah. Um, and try to make the world a better place. Because at the end of the day, like, we can all acknowledge that, like, as humans, like, we are broken and we do yeah. mess up. And, like, but I love your, like, humility of just saying, hey, like, 
I might not know all the answers. I might not know everything, but at least you're taking action. Yeah. And I think it's trial and error is a lot of it. Yes. Is like figuring out what works or doesn't. Like, you know, I know electric cars have a huge, there's a carbon footprint there that we yeah. might not be fully accounting for yet. Yeah. And the system of getting electricity to cars, you know, like there are issues. I'm not going to say mm-hmm. there's not. But when you hear these conversations more, you know, everyone wants a car that's part electric now, which is great. You know, mm-hmm. like at least we're moving the needle in some direction of this like collective understanding. Yes. And even this weekend camping, I woke up in the morning and was walking on the beach and ran into two. I was picking up all the straws, which nice. is like my go-to. I'm like, choose a lane. It's going to be straws. And I pick up all the straws. Oh, and it's so getting good. less and less. And there were two yeah. other women just walking, picking mm. up trash. And I was like, this is so cool that this is just people want to do something. You know, like yes. we, everyone's feeling empowered to help. And it feels good. I love that. I was actually just talking to one of my really good friends who's finishing up her uh, thesis at Cal State Long Beach. And it's all about... Um, plastics in the ocean. Mm. Um, And that's like really, I had an amazing conversation with her as we were actually walking along the coast of um, Palos Verde, which is beautiful. Um, And it was really intriguing because she was saying um, there's this nonprofit that she partners with called Algalita, which is actually Mm. out of um, Long Beach. And they've been doing plastic research since I believe the 80s. Wow. Um, the founder of it found, I'm going to butcher this, but one of those like trash vortexes like from, he was sailing and he found it in the middle of the Pacific Ocean on his way to Hawaii. Oh man, yeah. And so he's dedicated his whole career to like researching how we remove plastics out of the ocean. Yeah. It's called Algalita. Algalita. I think I've heard of this. And it's really amazing because what she was saying was that back in like the 80s or 90s uh, they were doing research and they started to find plastic like microplastics in the bloodstream Mm. and skin of fish and one of the like profound statements she said is that a lot of people forget that as humans, we're, we're a part of the ecosystem. Yeah. So if it's showing up in fish, it will soon be showing up in us. Yeah. Um, and so anyways, I, I think I really love this because it's like people are going after these things that they're really passionate about. Yeah. And like figuring out like, okay, how can we make a difference? Yeah. And I think that that kind of ties into the, the, uh, the third thing I was yeah. thinking that I believe in is kind of like... Uh, it just keeps, it's so cliche, but it keeps <laughs> popping up this, like, we contain multitudes. Mm. And I think in the upcoming stream of people in the workplace, no one is, you're not just an interior designer. Yeah. You're an interior designer and you have a podcast and yeah. you're an informed citizen. Mm-hmm. You know, I am an environmentalist and a manufacturer. That Those two things are contradictory, mm. but I firmly believe that I'm both. Yeah, And I think the the more you're able to do both, the better you feel about who you are, the more grounded you feel in yes. who you are. And I don't think we have to choose a lane anymore yeah. with it. You know, like there's ways to be informed in both. I think that's extremely beautiful because once again, there's such humility wrapped in that. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why I even decided to start this podcast was I just wanted people to cross that weird line that was drawn in the middle of the pandemic on whatever issue it was of like, 
I'm here and the yeah. other person is here. And we came to this place as a society where we were unwilling to hear what other people had to say. Yeah. Which I think honestly limits who we are as people. And so to be able to have this like self-awareness and also confidence of saying like, hey, like I am a manufacturer and I also am an environmentalist, which are two very, you know, like you said, contradictory things. That is so humble because at the end of the day, like, I think we're all contradicting ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like, hey, let's just like wake up in a sense and say, none of us have it right. None of us know everything. None of us are perfect. But let's pull up a seat at the table and say, hey, like, I'm Sarah. These are the things I'm trying to do and just like work through it. Yeah, completely. Yeah. I mean, I. Oh, man. <laughs> Completely. No. I think I. it's why I agreed to do this is because initially talking to you, it just oh. seemed like, wow, this is a curious conversation. You yes. know, you're trying to understand where someone's coming from. And mm-hmm. I think that's so much more compelling than saying, like, this is what we do. Yeah. Point blank. And I, you know, I'm about to turn 30. Which is <laughs> Welcome and, to the 30 Club. Yeah, I'm very excited. <laughs> and I think in my in my lifetime, I've kind of grappled with this idea of, putting myself in a box and on a trajectory Mm -hmm. and it's easier you know you see it modeled for you you see who you are and I think in the past two years with just as you get older and life shakeups you kind of realize it sounds so stupid but you Mm -hmm. can be whoever you want to and it doesn't fit into one thing you know amen (laughs) I always struggled with this idea that like I look like a surfer girl you know like I'm blonde and tan and at the same time I'm a super nerd yeah (laughs) you know and it felt so so crazy to have both things and when I would surf I wouldn't tell people, you know, I was an engineer. And when I was engineering, I was always wearing glasses, you know, like (laughs) dressing down, whatever, because I felt like people were uncomfortable with something modeled differently than what they expected. Mm. But I think you're actually way more interesting when you can start to be both. Yes. And you can start to be both in a really genuine way. And it's the same thing with being an environmentalist and manufacturer, you know, like the only way it works is if you are genuinely both. Yes. It doesn't it doesn't work if one of them's forced. I really love that. I I've thought of this I love analogies and I have all these like weird analogies but one of them is connected to like being really rigid. Um in California like the buildings like malls and different bigger buildings like skyscrapers actually have to like sway like if you're mm-hmm. in a mall or a skyscraper they have to sway a little bit because of earthquakes and yeah. seismic activity um if the if those buildings were built where they were extremely rigid and an earthquake was to happen they just snap in half yeah um and i relate that back to as humans um, when we're more go with the flow and flexible with a situation or the things that we're trying to do, things end up being better. Yeah. But when we're extremely rigid and we're put in a situation and it doesn't meet our expectations or what we thought, you snap. Yeah. And so I think having more of this like fluidity and also like I really see it as like this, uh, I call it humble confidence of like, Standing in a position and saying, hey, I'm confident in who I am and what I'm doing, but I also have will be growing until the day that I die. Yeah. At the end of the day, like if we 
from my perspective, if we stop growing, you might as well die. Yeah, like, no point. Yeah, there's no real, like, as humans, it's beautiful that we continue to evolve because as we've seen in our own lives when we were in our early 20s, it's like, there's moments where I'm like, Sarah, I can't believe you did that. Yeah, like, yeah. that was horrific. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you have more perspective as you go on. And I just think continuing to be flexible and fluid, your um, mind just opens up so much more and you're able to experience life uh, so much more full. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. And I think the growth part is interesting because early 20s, mid 20s, I would have defined growth as um, something where at the end you can check a box. You know, like, am I running faster than I was? Am I making more money? Am I living in a better place? Are my relationships stronger? And I actually don't really believe that anymore. Mm -hmm. I think it's more of like, do I feel more comfortable with myself? Am I able to keep myself healthy and happy and the people around me healthy and happy on a daily basis. I, I love it. And it's just so, it's so much more flexible. Yeah. You know, I think I used to be pretty rigid. And when the question is, what am I doing? Yeah. Oh, any given day, who knows? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, like, oh, man. I think my, in college we had to make, uh, we had these project partners that we worked with for a full year. Yeah. And at the end we had to give them a book title for their biography or autobiography yeah. and the one my project partner gave me was clueless, but it's working. <laughs> I love it. It's just like this going going in blind and curious. And now I yeah. feel like I have enough of I know who I am. And I think same thing with Emiko. Emiko knows what it does. Yeah. You can go in with a little bit of confidence, but yeah. curious confidence, flexible confidence. Yes. And I think for us with environmentalism, not everything we've done has hit it out of the park. Yeah. And Working on materials and having materials fail early is good. You know, Mm -hmm. that's growth. It's not how many products you have, how many different materials, but like how how have you vetted the things that you're doing? What are you testing? Are you doing something that's in line with what you believe in? Yeah. And unfortunately, the only way we grow is through failure. Yeah. Which I think, I don't know, for a long time, I wanted to avoid that. I was like, I just want to be epic all the time. I want people to know me as a hype girl and that I'm just like flying high all day, every day. And I think in the last—I'm 33, and in the last couple of years, I just really realized like, no, Sarah, like it's not about being epic all the time. It's about remembering what your purpose is, remembering that you will fail, but out of that there will be— such like glory yeah because um you can look back and say i've gone through all these like good and bad times but this has created who i am today completely and there's a ton of character and there's some dings and dents in there yeah but it's it's beautiful so much more interesting yeah no i completely agree with that and i think the failure part's interesting because when i switched my role yeah you know this is not my sweet spot. Yeah, my yeah, sweet yeah. spot is in the factory and the materials. And totally. at first I was like, I'm really going to blow it. And then I was like, how fun. Yeah. How cool. You know, like I have such a good support network. Emiko is really supportive of growth mm-hmm. that it um, it feels safe to fail. Yeah. And then that that's exciting too. And I think what's really rad, like you know the story of Emiko 
like probably second best to your dad. Yeah. Like you know the ins and outs, you know the ups and downs, you know everything that has happened. And I really believe that like stories sell. Yeah. Like, so to be able to meet with someone and say, hey, like, these are the things we've experimented with. This is what we're trying to do. And just coming in with your, like, radical, like, honesty and authenticity, from my perspective, is going to be huge. Because there's a thousand chair companies out there. So, like, what's stopping you from buying something from or stopping a person from buying something from Emico or the other 500 yeah. manufacturers? It, yeah. it really is that like personal connection yeah. and those authentic stories. So I think you're, I think you're on the right track. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well. Do you want to buy any chairs? <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got, I got one around the corner. I'll buy another one. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> I'll just have like stacks of Amico chairs. Yeah. Just because you feel bad. <laughs> no, no, the no. The J failure <laughs> prevention stack. Oh my gosh. I love it. I absolutely love it. So that's amazing. It's really cool to hear all of that. Um, yeah, what are you what are you currently focusing on on or doing? Um, what are you excited about? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we have a few things going on. I think what I'm excited about right now is my focus is on um, working with the architecture and design firms in LA, and I'm actually really excited about that. Awesome, because as someone who's involved in architecture and design, to get yeah. to like actually participate, and I work remote, um, I have gone days without making eye contact with people. <laughs> yeah. Just like me and my dog. Stare down. Like this is not good for either of us. <laughs> so oh I, I'm excited to like meet with people and have that kind of energy. Awesome. Um and then it's it's kind of interesting. It comes at the same time in my life where um I just bought a hundred year old cabin that's up in LA. Yes. Yeah. Which reckless <laughs> that blind confidence right there yeah, yeah. what uh what part of la it's in um like right off of will rogers beach cool so it's the same beach my dad and i go to every thursday and we run mm. and surf and there's this one really cool street and at the end of it there's a paper street so it doesn't even it's not a real street yeah and these little dirt steps go up and it's a wood cabin I mean, ridiculous. Dude, I'm so stoked. Crazy. I'll no be parking. there. <laughs> <laughs> Electric system has to be fully redone. Yeah, you're invited anytime. Thanks. It, but every time someone comes, they have to fix something. <laughs> I'm, I'm good at fixing. <laughs> okay, good, good. But I think that's that's kind of... I don't move until June. Okay. And there's a little wood shop. And the couple oh. that's in there are this 90-year-old couple. Mm. So sweet. And I'm going in next Friday so they can teach me how to use all the tools in the wood shop. Oh. Which... I don't know to the extent if they know how well I know wood chops, but like <laughs> going in, I'm pretty excited about it. <laughs> Max and Judy are oh, the sweetest. Oof, but that's like it. the next, I think that's the next kind of stage of my life. I move in a week before my 30th birthday and Dude, then the I'm ready. Yeah, insane. Originally, it was on my 30th, okay. which was crazy, but yeah. now it's a week before. And I'm pretty excited to be focused on working locally. Mm-hmm. And building kind of like the next stage of my life is pretty exciting. Like, totally. I think the I Contain Multitudes also comes, especially with people who are in design, you have this person who's like travel, adventure, push it further, book all your time up. And the other side, 
that's a nester. Yep. You know, like you can tell from your beautiful home, you've got some nest in yes. you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I like to nest. Yeah, yeah. And like comfort mm-hmm. and having the things around you that you want. So the, the two things had, I feel like, have come to a point in the past few years, especially with COVID, not being able to travel where I felt pent up. Mm-hmm. But now you know, being able to have both, to nest yes. and then go out in the world and come back to the nest. Yeah. So I'm pretty excited about oh that. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. No, I I totally agree with you. It's funny because I moved into my place in 2021. Yeah. I'm like highly extroverted. I never thought in a trillion years that I would live on my own. Yeah. Um, and then I house it by myself for like a week for one of my family friends. And I was like, this is the best. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. Yeah. So, yeah, I've moved into this place by myself. And, yeah, I've been doing a lot of nesting, which has been fantastic. And it's totally like what you're saying is like going out, traveling. Uh, I've fortunately been able to be in the office most days. So I get my like social time and yeah. energy out during the day. And then when I come home, all my coworkers make fun of me because I wake up at like five in the morning and go to bed at like 730. <laughs> And so I literally just like come home and like get into my bed. But like, it's so nice to have that like reprieve because we do spend a ton of time like with others and exuding energy. And it's like me and my mom always joke around. We're like, we go hard. Like we give everyone 110%. And then when we come home, we're done. That's exactly how I am too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really cool to have like a yeah like a nest in an area where it's a safe spot for you to like recharge and then go back out into the world and do good yeah completely yeah and growing up in long beach we grew up with no front yard backyard yeah and um it's a 180 from the house I grew up in. The house I grew up in, they used to call it the Death Star, my friends. <laughs> it's like this gray box. Everything's white, black, silver inside. It's like Emiko chairs. We had like no furniture for a while. My dad just like couldn't pick out what he wanted. Him and my mom were just like always like at odds. She's like, pink pillows. And he was like, I will die on this hill. Like no pillows. This is this is where I like draw the line. It was insane. And this house is like... Just the exact opposite, like weird corners and like kind of falling apart, but like not super cleanable, which our house is. There is no, like our house right now, we're really close to the bay. Yeah. So it's like kind of everything we did was ocean centric. Now I'm half mile, which is still really close, Yeah. but it's way more foresty feeling. I mean, Mm. nothing about it makes sense, but it's also, uh, it feels like reprieve. It feels like you're removed from people. And this is a... wild uh parallel but the have you seen the pamela anderson documentary (laughs) (laughs) i haven't but i've been meaning to watch it great love it yeah um i always get so nervous when i recommend it to people because it's kind of wild but she's moves back to her remote village in canada and is like gardening with flowers and sun hat Mm. and when i was looking at the house and kind of figuring it out i was like yeah that's where I want to be. I want to be there with my five rescue dogs yeah. in a little sundress with yeah. gardening gloves, like doing that and yeah. then going out in the world and doing like whatever big thing you're trying to do and then coming back and having these little tasks to do. 
I think it's fantastic. And we'll just take this like conversation to even like the next level. Um, <laughs> yes. <Yeah. so, laughs> let's uh, put Pamela Anderson up there and Jesus. <laughs> I love this. So it's really great if you believe in the Bible or not, but it's a really beautiful picture of like when Jesus walked this earth, he would do all these miracles and then he would retreat to the forest. Mm. So he would go, he would leave the city that he was in and like, just imagine if you're Jesus and like thousands of people are like, heal me, help yeah. me. You know, it's like, oh, I would go insane. So he would, they, in the Bible, it says he would retreat, so mm. he would retreat back to the forest and, and spend time with God and, and replenish and then go back out into mm. the craziness. And I just love that like visual picture because I think as humans, no matter where you're at, there has to be some type of retreat if you're wanting to pour into other people's lives. Completely. Because we can't and I'm always saying this, like, if I'm on empty, if I have no more fuel in the tank, then I have nothing to give. Completely. And so it's a really beautiful picture of you, like, having this sanctuary where you retreat to and you feel replenished. And then you're able to go out and do all the beautiful work that you want to do. Completely. So, I, I definitely agree. And yeah. the way you show up in all of your relationships professionally otherwise yeah are it's completely dictated by how much time you have to you know re refuel yeah and kind of calm down and i think you're just a better person for everyone else around yeah. you oh yeah i'm a huge pain in the ass I'm like, <laughs> tired hungry oh, overwhelmed oh, oh like, my god <laughs> the absolute worst yeah. like people are like oh you're so friendly you get me with no sleep yeah. and no food i will rip your head off yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> me too <laughs> so it's good to like and i think you know as we get older we realize the like areas in our life where it's like hey like I need to go on a walk right now or mm -hmm. I need to go and like deal with these feelings that I'm having yeah. and like retreat and figure that out and then go back out because yeah. there's no way to sort through the things that you're feeling when you're anxious or fearful or whatever no. like you need I'm a strong believer no matter if you're extroverted or introverted like you need time alone I completely agree. Yeah. <laughs> I completely agree. And I think time away from social media, time away from yes. screens. But it all goes back into like people wanting to be better and do something better. I think yeah. now our generation is so much more informed about how to be better people. People care more about sleep and eating well. Yeah. Because it does change how you show up in the world. Yeah. And I, I really like that people care more about that. It's not just like my grandpa would wake up at four every day and work four to six p.m. and then come home for dinner you know like that's my that was my dad yeah yeah, yeah. my dad too yeah. psycho yeah, and yeah. <laughs> you, you, there's something that transition now where it's like okay you can actually get the same amount done totally now in a regular work day yeah. and and go for you the run you need to go for yeah. and take care of yourself make sure your space is clean totally it's no it, it's huge and it's the whole like just having a, a balanced life because, yeah. you know, as we get older, like I've seen, and this is really unfortunate, but you hear these stories about people's parents passing away at a young age, like in their 50s or 60s or whatever it is, even before retirement. And I think I've just really been contemplating recently, like, 
am I going to like just grind, grind, grind until I'm 65 and then have my retirement? Like, yeah, I need to save my money. And yeah. parents, I am doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like also enjoying the here and the now yeah. um, and taking advantage of like, hey, I'm going to take that trip to Japan. I'm going to go to this event. I'm going to do yeah. this. Like, because that's helping my overall like well-being instead of just constant be- constantly being in this like rat race. I completely agree. Yeah. And I think there is there's kind of a few things going on right now. One is people who work so that they can do whatever they want because then they have the financial means to do so yeah. and the schedule maybe to do so. Yeah. But I think it's actually even more important if you can find that middle ground of something that you really enjoy showing up for on a daily basis, because yes. you spend so many hours working, even if you're working to live, yep. you're still working. You yep. might as well find something that you really like. To- I 100%. And so, yeah, it's just cool to like, I don't know. Yeah, with life, continue to grow, continue to understand, like, what do I need to, yeah. you know, be a functioning person in society yeah, <laughs> and like, yeah, like retreating. Like I absolutely love that because I think especially before the pandemic, we were just grind, grind, grind. And I think it really reset a lot of people of like, oh, what am I doing? Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. I feel like I was traveling so much to different factories back and forth to Emico. Yeah, We'd go to Milan and there was something in me that when I traveled, I felt like I was kind of checking those achievement boxes. Yeah. And then when I finally got to sit still, I was like, wow, yeah. my health is so much better. My relationships are better. Yeah. My space is better. Mm. And, you know, still love traveling. Yeah. But time and place. Yeah. Being a little more selective about it. Yeah. Oh, so good. Well, I'm really excited about uh, visiting your bungalow. Oh, yeah. I will offer to. my skills. Yeah. I will take your skills. First thing is a chicken coop. So. Okay. Great. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for coming here and sitting down with me. And I'm excited to, yeah, become your friend and spend more yeah. time with me you. Too. And it's going to be awesome. Yeah. So. This was so easy. I'll do oh. it whenever. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay, next time I'll get a little, little less nervous. Too. Oh, <laughs> yeah. no, this was awesome. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, Sarah.